Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm your host, Jordan Hill. Got a special episode of the podcast today. Getting ready. This is Mississippi State Week for Georgia. Uh, we're recording on Thursday, getting ready for the 7 p.m. Eastern Time game on Saturday night. To help us preview the game, we've got Paul Jones from Bulldogs 247 with us. Uh, Paul, how is this week treating you as we get ready for this big game on Saturday? Not doing well so far, man. It is It is that time of year where it's something every night. I mean, we already have football, knee-deep in football, and throw basketball in there, and uh, it's starting to get get real. Yes, yes. There's never a dull moment once it gets to about mid-November. It's just nonstop. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to have you on talk a little bit about this game and, and get your perspective on Mississippi State. Um, and kind of start with sort of a bigger picture question. This is the third year under head coach Mike Leach. Um, you know, where do you feel like this program is right now under his guidance and, you know, the, the strengths they've had and, and maybe areas they could still improve in his third year as a head coach? Well, you know, it's, it's been an interesting season. And, and that I guess the best way to, to describe it, in my opinion, is, is they're kind of stuck in neutral. Um, just – you know, obviously, 2020 was a was a crazy year for everybody. Uh, Mississippi State faced a a drastic change philosophy on offense. Obviously, you know, going from years and years and years of whether you want to call it a run heavy offense or trying to be balanced to the air raid, and and that wasn't an easy transition. Uh, had a lot of guys obviously transfer out, like you see with a lot of coaching changes, but. Uh, we had COVID. I mean, I, you know, perfect example is when Mississippi State went and played Georgia that year. And I think they had 43 available players. And that was kind of what they faced the last month of that season. Um, but, you know, last year they made obvious improvements, especially on offense. And uh, after looking just brutal at times in 2020, they really made strides. And we're, we're competitive in, in pretty much every game last year except for the bowl game where they had a lot of opt-outs and COVID again uh and and the Alabama game but besides that they were they were pretty competitive uh you know the 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 problem last year was special teams and it cost them a couple of wins against Memphis and Arkansas so you could have had a nine-win season last year and I think everybody would have been more upbeat about the season fast forward to this year same thing again I know LSU has taken off since early in the season, but that was a game Mississippi State could have won. They were up 16 to 10 in the fourth quarter, muffed a punt, uh, couldn't keep LSU's offense off the field in the fourth quarter, and, and LSU pulled away. Uh, same thing at Kentucky. Uh, you know, that was a winnable game for them, and, and that was probably their worst game of the year. They just laid an egg on both sides of the ball. Um, so you're looking at another season where, yeah, they're sitting at six and three, but they could easily be eight and one right now, you know, and, and headed towards uh, possibly staying in the SEC West race and, and, and headed towards a special season, possibly double digit wins. But here we are, six and three losses at Kentucky, at LSU and, and at Alabama. Uh, they've played well at home this year. Um, you know, I, I'll give them credit for that, but uh, just, you know, it's, it's a frustrating time for fans because, you know, sometimes fans almost wish you were tanking almost, you know, and, and, and thinking change was around the corner. You never know, but they're just stuck in mutual. And, uh, you know, and as I mentioned to you earlier this week, Mike Leach, he's not on the hot seat. 
you know, if they finish this year 75 or so, I think you see to get kind of warm going into next year. Uh, but, you know, it's just uh, the best way I can describe it is just stuck in neutral right now. You mentioned the Georgia game in 2020. Mississippi State was so short on players and, and gave Georgia all they could handle on the road in what wound up being a 31-24 Georgia win. And that was one of the first games that really anybody got to see Will Rogers, his second career start at that point. What sort of development have you seen from Will, particularly this year, and, and what areas do you think he still has to make improvements in? Well, you know, up until the last couple of weeks, last couple of games, he had made pretty good progress. Uh, he was throwing the ball better downfield, moving better in the pocket. You know, he's never going to be a dual threat guy, but he was making throws on the run uh, against Arkansas and Auburn. But, you know, the last three games he struggled, and I, I think it goes hand-in-hand hand with their running game has struggled the last three games. Uh, they were, um, you know, the the best they've looked in the Mike Leach era in the run game was against Arkansas and Texas A&M. I think they combined for over, you know, 300 rushing yards, and I know people kind of laugh at those numbers, but that's a lot in the air raid, especially for Mike Leach. You know, that was uh, – an all-time high for Leach against Arkansas with 162 rushing yards, I think. That was a high for him in Mississippi State. Uh, some of that is Dylan Johnson getting banged up in early in the Kentucky game. He's their best rusher this year. But, uh, you know, a lot of times it's just getting away from the run has hurt this team and getting away from tempo. Of course, you got to have success on first and second down to have tempo. But they, they get – when they get away from the run game and become one-dimensional, it, it looks a lot like the 2020 offense in the early stages. You know, for example, uh, that was a, had a lot to do with Auburn getting back in the game last weekend and, and ended up taking that game to overtime. But there was a point in the third quarter until the fourth quarter uh, where Mississippi State was struggling on offense and they threw 24 straight passes. Uh, you, you just can't be one-dimensional like that in the SEC, whether it's run-heavy or pass-heavy. Uh, but uh, Dylan Johnson was back last week after missing most of the Kentucky game and the Alabama game. He was not effective at all. You could tell he wasn't 100%. Uh, they, they expect him to be a little bit closer to 100% this week. But uh, this offense and Will Rogers, they have to put him in position to succeed. And a lot of that has to do with – uh, a threat of a run game and having more tempo. But, uh, you know, up until two or three weeks ago, he, he was moving in the right direction, but it's kind of went backwards the last couple of weeks. I want to talk a little bit more about that run game because, like you pointed out, Paul, that's not really characteristic of really any time Mike Leach has uh, been a head coach and, you know, something we're not used to seeing. And Kirby has really emphasized that all week. You know, I tried asking him about the air raid and sort of that challenge for the defensive backs, and he made it a point to say, this is a Mississippi State team that can run the ball well. Um, what has worked well when they have been running the ball well? What has allowed them to run the ball well when they have had those kind of games? Well, you know, they, they've been very effective in two-back sets, and, you know, obviously they're not going to get attention like Will Rogers and the receivers do, but Dylan Johnson and Jaquavius Marks, uh, Jaquavis is a, is a Georgia native. They, those are two pretty good backs. They just don't, obviously don't get a lot of opportunities in the run game. Now they catch their share of passes, and and that's typical of, of Mike Leach's running backs in the air raid. But, you know, I, it, it's kind of simplistic to say, but, you know, you, you hear all the time that you got to run the ball to open up the passing game. Well, the air raid's no different. You know, they – 
they have done that to teams this year and come out in the first half and ran the ball well and had success and forced teams to put more guys in the box. Uh, and, and then it's up to you to, to, you know, execute in the passing game when that stuff happens. A perfect example of that uh, is, is the, the Arizona and LSU road games. Both of those teams saw Mississippi State have success in the run game in the first half, so they started creeping 6-7 in the box in the second half. Uh, against Arizona, Mississippi State made plays in the run game. I mean, the passing game after they stacked the box against LSU, they dropped passes. Will was off target on some plays. Uh, so you got the looks that you wanted, you just didn't execute. And uh, to me, the two back sets uh, showing the threat of run consistently and having tempo, that's been the key to this offense this year. Yeah, a lot of people talking to Kirby this week had tried to compare the offenses. I mean, not that they're perfect, um, but Tennessee and Mississippi State in the fact that, you know, having that passing threat does sometimes open up that run. So it, it will be interesting to me to see if Mississippi State is able to get the ball rolling uh, as far as the ground game. And that's, uh, yeah. you know, Jordan, is, is when you look at their numbers, you know, there's been times, especially in 2020, where Mike Leach's offense here has been more pass-happy than anywhere he's been. You know, last year there were some 80-20 splits, and that's just too much. You know, when, they, when they're when they able to run the ball uh, consistently like they did against Arkansas A&M and they have a 65-35 split or, or 60-40, it's a uh, night and day difference. And, uh, you know, obviously it's easier said than done to be able to run the football in the SEC, but – uh, that's been the key for them is when they're able to run the football and and make team make defenses respect that they they've had a lot of success this year. I want to make sure and ask you about a guy that Georgia fans know well, uh, Justin Robinson, who transferred from Georgia to Mississippi State. Well, what have you guys seen from him this season and the role he has played in this passing game? You know, Justin's been a uh, a steady work in progress, and and you know he. Not fair to say he got off to a slow start in the spring, but his first week or so was slow just because he was adjusting to a new school, a new environment, a new offense, obviously. Uh, but I tell you what, ever since that that first couple of weeks of spring practice, man, he, he's, he's been solid and, and he's gotten better. You know, I, I think drop passes was kind of a concern when he was at Georgia, but, you know, he really hasn't shown that at Mississippi State. Now, he's still a young guy, so he's still got a lot of room to grow, but he has steadily improved throughout the season. And, uh, you know, he he started the year off being a guy that came in when, when the score got lopsided. Uh, that was evident by the, the game against Memphis. He had a late touchdown in that game. He got some snaps on the last couple of series. Uh, but then you fast forwarded this past weekend at Auburn against Auburn, and he was starting. That was his first career start. So that gives you a good example of how he's progressed through this year. And, uh, Man, he uh he looks like a million dollars. He looks like he looks like an NFL receiver right now. Uh, Steve Spurrier, this uh, receivers coach, has, has said that all year long. Said he's his best looking receiver, and uh, I, I'm excited to see how Justin does next year after he's got a year in the air raid offense under his belt. Yeah, he got some positive reviews from some of his teammates this week. Just talking about him, and <clears throat> obviously, probably going to try to talk to him after the game and having the. A little bit of a reunion with some of his former Georgia teammates. Yeah, uh, he, yeah, go ahead. He was a little sick last weekend, too, and uh, the flu hit the team pretty bad last week. 
And, and that's kind of a, a fact that nobody found out until after the game. Uh, a lot of guys getting IVs, oxygen at halftime. Uh, you know, I, I ended up here, not, not an exact number, but I heard there was at least a dozen guys that were battling with the flu. So uh, Justin was one of those guys. But uh, hopefully everybody's good to go. The, the flu's been pretty rampant in Starville lately. Yeah, and it's actually been bad. There's been a few players, I don't think quite as many, at Georgia. And I know Auburn and Texas A&M have also been dealing with it. So I guess it's just sort of that time of year um, as far as the flu goes. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the defense. We're going to talk about this game, uh, some of the matchups and um, what we expect to see on Saturday. But uh, first, we're going to take a quick break. Welcome back, everybody. Well, yeah, Paul, I wanted to ask you about the defense, and that's something that Kirby Smart talked a lot this week and, and made the point that, you know, with the Mike Leach team, a lot of attention is paid to the offense, the offense being different. But Kirby really stressed, you know, this is a defense that we're not used to facing, you know, seeing a 3-3-5 uh, alignment and that kind of scheme. Uh, what, what, what sort of stands out about Mississippi State's defense this year um, and things that have been working and, and maybe areas that still need to be improved? Well, it's kind of been um, uh, opposite of last year, to be honest with you. Uh, run defense was expected to be pretty strong this year, and, and I think last year they were, oh, don't quote me, but 14th, 15th nationally in run defense, one of the top run defense in the SEC, and they they, they returned their entire two-deep defensive line. Plus, they got Jordan Davis back at defensive end, who missed all of last year with an ACL injury, and he was actually slated to start last year before that injury. Um, so it, it's a head-scratcher, and um, why that run defense, you know, they they really held Alabama's run game down in Gibbs. I think Gibbs only had uh, 20, 21 yards in that game, uh, but there's, you know, they've given up over 200 rushing yards to Auburn, Arkansas, A&M, LSU, Kentucky. <clears throat> now, one one thing that has helped the running game lately is Jaden Crumity getting back, defensive tackle. He's a fifth-year senior, uh, injured his wrist. Uh, I think there was some more damage inside that wrist, too, because he got injured the last two weeks of training camp, and last week was his first game of the year. Uh, and he had a pretty good game. Obviously, he had some rust to shake off, but he ended up with a sack and, and I think, 1.5 tackle for losses. So he had a pretty good game against Auburn. Getting him back helps. Obviously, it helps your depth. Uh, but on the flip side of that, the secondary's been pretty good. Uh, you know, Emmanuel Forbes, a lot of people familiar with Emmanuel. He's got, I think he owns or tied with the SEC record with uh, five career pick sixes. He's had two this year. Just a an, an impressive playmaker back there with great ball skills. Now, he missed last weekend against Auburn. He I've seen him on the practice field this week, so I'm, I'm guessing he's going to play Saturday. But uh, they they improved their safety talent. Jackie Matthews, a transfer from West Virginia. Uh, he's been a really good addition for them this year. Uh, but, you know, overall, I would say the secondary has held its own this year. Uh, but up front, uh, you know, outside of Tyrus Weed and Sam Linebacker, not much of a pass rush. And then, like I said, the run defense is, has definitely gone backwards this year. You hit on this a little earlier, and I was honestly surprised. I didn't realize this, that Mississippi State's undefeated at home this year. They haven't had a home loss since the Egg Bowl last year. How have you seen teams, uh, you know, playing there in Starkville, uh, handling the noise? I mean, obviously it's always talked about with the Cowbells, but but just how they have been affected, how opposing teams have been affected by 
how crowds have reacted there at games. Yeah, I mean, it gets loud, and, and you know, people, uh, unless you've been there, you don't really realize it, that, that 50, 60,000 fans, when most of them are cowbells, it can get pretty loud in there. And, um, you know, uh, I'm kind of dreading Saturday night because it's going to be cold, too. It's going to be really cold. And uh, if you, I don't know if you've been in Mississippi State's press box before, but they keep the windows up, whether it's 105 degrees or 35 degrees. So uh, the elements you see outside, that's what you're going to feel in the press box. But uh, just a little side note there for you. But, uh, you know, it, 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 it can rattle some teams. Um, obviously, Mississippi State's play on the field affects how that crowd is, too. You know, Auburn was able to fight their way back. Mississippi State, like I mentioned earlier, really stalled out on offense in the second half, and that allowed Auburn to get back in the game and take the crowd out of it. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's almost like they have two different game plans at home compared to the road because I think against Kentucky, and, and like I say, taking into account that Dylan Johnson got hurt early in that game, but not counting sacks, their running backs combined for seven rush attempts against Kentucky. Uh, it was pretty much the same against LSU in the second half, and it was the same against Alabama. Uh, but at home, they, they've used more tempo. Uh, they've ran the ball more um, outside of this past weekend against Auburn. But, you know, just typical stuff, Jordan. You, you, you're sleeping in your own bed. you got your regular routine at home. Uh, and, and like I said, that crowd can be pretty intimidating, and they feed off of that stuff. Yeah, you talked about it being cold. We talked to one of Georgia's offensive linemen last night. He said the mantra with the linemen is no sleeves, so they're they're getting ready for what's probably going to be a cold one on Saturday. Uh, I did want to get your perspective, Paul, just looking at Georgia. Coming into this game, what is your biggest question or biggest questions about Georgia? And I'll see what I can do to, to try to answer or, or give you my thought on, on what sort of stands out. Well, to be honest with you, they uh, one of my biggest questions before – the Tennessee game was, you know, why was Georgia lacking? And obviously they lost some playmakers. You know, it's it's no matter how great you are in the SEC, it, it catches up with you now and then when you have to replace early entries to the NFL and, and just great players all over the field. But, you know, my biggest question was before the Tennessee game was the lack of pressure and the lack of sacks by this Georgia defense. Uh, obviously they corrected some things there because – they got to a pretty mobile quarterback in Hooker uh, uh, against Tennessee. So it seems like they kind of answered some of those questions. But before that game, what, what do you think was the reason behind that? You know, a big part of it, and Kirby had talked about it a good bit, um, you know, part of the problem or, or really something he made a point to, to point out was that the sacks weren't going to be the be-all, end-all, especially in an era where there's so many mobile quarterbacks. You know, they <laughs> – Kind of, he really emphasized pressure as opposed to got to have sacks. Um, but even with that, you know, they, they still, I think, could have uh, had more sacks than they had. I think they might have had like seven sacks through the first seven games. Um, some of it was just missed opportunities. You know, they got defensive end Michael Williams, who's a true freshman, who's a five star, and seemed like he would be right there at the ball and, you know, wouldn't be able to get a sack. Um, a big part of it, too, was Jalen Carter being banged up. And, and Kirby's made a point to point out, I mean, he's been hurt since the very first play of the Oregon game. He was dealing with an ankle injury. He was kind of coming back from that, then got hurt on a chop block against Missouri. Um, guy kind of hit him low, and he was dealing with an MCL sprain. 
Uh, if anybody watched that Tennessee game, I mean, and even the Florida game before that, when Jalen really first got back, I mean, their pass rush since number 88's been back is night and day. I mean, he is such a good defensive lineman, an interior defensive lineman, a guy that some people think could wind up being the number one pick when we get to April. Um, and he's played like it. You know, I think that um, that praise he's gotten, that kind of attention, it is warranted. And, uh, you know, again, if you watch the Tennessee game when they almost had that safety, it was because of Jalen Carter coming up the middle, just nailed Hendon Hooker, knocked the ball off, uh, knocked the ball out, and the Tennessee lineman picked it up. But, yeah, I, th- I feel like, it, you know, a part of it was the guys they lost, again, having to play without Jalen Carter. And, you know, last week we saw them get creative. You know, they blitzed uh, Javon Bullard, their star, several times, and it kept working. And Kirby talked about it after the game. He was like, you know, Glenn Schumann calling the plays. He said, you know, they ran it and it worked. And then they're like, and Kirby was like, well, we can't run it again and it'll work. And then it did. And then he said it again and they did it again. I mean, they, they got creative. I think that uh, it was a good combination of, of using their talent. And again, with Jalen being back. And uh, I definitely think it's not something you can question at this point, uh, just based on how they played against Tennessee. I, I think they have kind of figured out uh, ways to get that pass rush going. And obviously, Will Rogers is not a mobile quarterback, so that'll be something to watch Saturday. Uh, one other question I have was, and Zach Arnett, Mississippi State defensive coordinator, you know, he brought up a good point last night. Uh, people were asking him what's different about Stetson Bennett this year. Uh, and and he's like, what do you mean the guy won a national championship last year? Uh, but obviously he's played better this year, and and even with that national championship, he's improved his game. Uh, what what have you seen from him this year? I think the biggest thing is that he had an entire off season where he was QB one, which as long as he's been at Georgia, which God, it feels like he might have been there when Jim Donnan was coaching. At this point, it seems like he's been there forever. Uh, was. The, the fact that he had an entire offseason, he was the guy. Um, he got to build those uh, rep, you know, go through those reps, really strengthen those relationships with the receivers. I think it even benefits that Todd Monk and the offensive coordinator knew he's calling an offense with number 13 behind center. You know, it wasn't a situation like compared to last year. You know, JT Daniels at one point in the summer was a Heisman, you know, favorite. I mean, you know, betting favorite before the season started. And then all of a sudden, JT gets hurt and sets and kind of gets put in. So I think that has a lot to do with it. The fact he has been able to take these reps with the first team throughout spring, throughout summer. Um, I think that, you know, he's taken this opportunity really seriously because this is it, you know, as far as playing at Georgia. He's a super senior. Um, I think he's done a better job of making good decisions. We haven't seen a ton of just really, really – you know, poor decisions as far as throwing in the traffic, things like that. He hasn't been perfect, but there has been some of those. Um, he battled through injury a little bit through midway through the season, but looks like he's back to form. And I thought the Tennessee game last week might have been his best game, especially when you think about just throwing the ball downfield. He had a 52-yard completion to Arian Smith, had a 37-yard touchdown pass to Lab McConkey. Um, when Georgia fans do critique Stetson, it's been about throwing downfield and um, he has struggled at times this year, but I think he's coming off of um, one of his better performances as far as going deep. Well, when, when when we look at Saturday, Paul, what needs to go right for Mississippi State? What are the the things they have to do well on either side of the ball to have a chance to pull up pull off uh, this upset? Yeah, I've kind of touched on some of that, Jordan. They they've got to 
run the ball with some success and and have that threat and not let Georgia uh, just focus on the passing game and drop eight or what you know whatever defense they want to use to focus on the passing game, clog up the middle, clog up where Mississippi State sits down in the zone on on passes, um, and and obviously the the execution goes hand in hand with running tempo, uh, but you know. To be honest with you, I really think they need, and I know that can be hard at times when you're facing the number one team in the country, but I think they need a, a lot of that Auburn attitude that we saw last week. Uh, nobody expects you to win. Uh, you're playing the number one team that hadn't lost in two years. Uh, you're, you're playing the team that everybody expects to defend their national championship. Just go, just go play loose. Go play fun, you know, and, and, and go have fun. You you can't play tight in this game, and and you have to play to win. You can't play not to lose or, hey, let's try to keep this thing within two or three touchdowns and feel good about ourselves going into the home stretch of the season. Uh, you're going to have to take chances. You're going to have to take, you know, you mentioned earlier Tennessee, or I had saw where Tennessee had some opportunities in that game against Georgia to make it closer. Uh, they just missed their opportunities. Mississippi State has to take advantage of every opportunity and got to get turnovers. Obviously, that, that's the only you know that's one of the ways you can upset a number one team is to is to flip field position and get turnovers. Uh, maybe even a special teams or or a defensive touchdown. Uh, this this defense has been pretty good at that this year. They they've gotten a lot of turnovers and and turned some of them into touchdowns. And obviously uh, on special teams, the defense. Aditya Griffin's one of the best kick returners in the country. Uh, he had a kick return last year, uh, last week for a touchdown against Auburn. But uh, to me, you got to play loose. Uh, got to you got to go in there with confidence as hard as that uh, as hard as that can be. But you have to have confidence in your home stadium, and and you can't go in there timid and and scared to make a mistake because you're going to make a mistake, and Georgia's going to make you pay for some of those mistakes. But you can't focus on, you know, it's a coaching cliche. Have to focus on the next play and forget what you just did. But that probably holds very true in this game. Paul, do you have a prediction for Saturday's game? I think I'm going to go Georgia 38-17. I do think that uh, Mississippi State will make some plays along the way, but just not convinced that uh, it's going to be quite enough to keep up with Georgia. Yeah, and, and that's the same thing with me, you know. uh We've seen Mississippi State's defense rise to the occasion this year and uh, and have a lot of good moments, especially when they rotate guys. They can't get into a habit of getting in tight games where they, they keep their starters out there and they get worn down, and that has played a factor in the run defense late in games. But, you know, I, I think, um, you know, that that's a situation where the defense has to step up. And, and you know, because I, I – I, you know, I think if Mississippi State were able to put over 20 points on the board against Georgia, that would be a win, and, and you know that would that would they have to do that to have a chance in this game. So, while we'll be focused a lot on the offense, and and a lot of people are looking at Georgia's defense and how good they are, uh, they're going to need the defense to keep them in the game and and not allow those big plays. Well, Paul, I really appreciate the time. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, let everybody know what you guys are working on over there at Bulldogs 247 and some of the content they can see before we get there in the stadium Saturday night. Yeah, obviously we're uh, focused on this game and and, and getting all our uh, weekly interviews out. We finished up those yesterday with the coaching staff. 
<clears throat> got uh, plenty of basketball. Uh, women uh, women opened up their season last night. The men did Monday, and then they're back home again Sunday. Uh, the women are uh, playing again Friday, so it's that rapid fire of something every night. But um, you know, we're we're getting close to Thanksgiving, so that means a lot of a lot of people are going to start talking about the Egg Bowl soon. And uh, Mississippi State has East Tennessee State next weekend, a, a game they should win easily. But uh, you know, a lot of attention, a lot of eyes on this game because it is a sellout. Uh, a lot of talk about Georgia bringing a whole lot of folks to Davis Wade Stadium. So uh, kind of anxious to see and, and eager to see that atmosphere this Saturday. Me too. I think it's going to be a fun one for sure. Uh, well, we're going to wrap this episode up again. Thanks to Paul Jones for popping on and talking and helping us preview this Bulldogs versus Bulldogs game. Uh, thanks for everybody for listening and uh, checking this episode out. Uh, we're going to get out of here on that. Until next time, take care, everybody. Oh.